Hello and welcome back to the Scenario 7 podcast. My name is Sam and today I'm joined by my wonderful co-host again, all the way from Portugal. It's Matt Collier. Matt, how are you doing, mate? Oh, good. Thank you, Sam. Uh, It's nice to do a first review of the season, so I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, exactly, mate. Getting you involved in the reviews. And this is a review for the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix. We've just finished watching the race uh, at the Jeddah Corniche circuit. And there's been a lot of controversy over this weekend. I think that's fair to say. When we did our preview earlier in the week, I don't think we expected to have as much controversy around it as we have. First of all, Matt, the question before we talk about qualifying, talk about the race, is should the race have gone ahead? That's the question on a lot of people's lips because on Friday during practice or just before there was a missile attack less than 10 kilometres away from the circuit um, on an Aramco Aramco, uh, facility who are one of the main sponsors of the track of F1. And this is less than 10 kilometres away from the circuit. And you could see the smoke from the circuit. Do you think it should have gone ahead on this basis, or do you think it should have been called off? Um, yeah, uh, it's quite difficult. For me, there's a lot of reasons why they shouldn't be racing at this track. Um, the missile situation just makes it even worse. Um, even last year, um, I was very skeptical of this track. Um, seeing how dangerous it was. Um, most corners on F1 track, the fastest high-speed corners on F1 track. Um, and there's been lots of examples of uh, big crashes as well, um, especially last year. Uh, there was one in F2, I do believe. Um, last year as well, there was Mick, uh, Mick Schumacher who had a crash, and then also this year, um for me the track's just too dangerous um as you know if if a, if someone for example if alonso or ricardo's engine cut out at one of those really fast uh, moving corners and had to physically stop there that could have been really dangerous yeah so for me um i don't think we should be racing at this track um especially because of all the political stuff and the missiles and yeah, that's, that's my opinion. Mm, yeah, it's frustrating because we don't want to start a race review talking about whether we should have been racing at the track that we've just raced. But I'm in complete agreement with you, to be honest. And I've called down now, but last night especially, and yesterday, and even Friday, I was very frustrated because, of course, we had this missile attack, less than 10 kilometres. When you can see the smoke... When you can, when Verstappen is on team radio saying, can you smell smoke? It's that close. The drivers had a team meeting about it four hours long. And eventually they came to, I'm not even going to say the agreement, but they decided that they would race. First of all, if you're having a four hour meeting of drive, if the drivers and team principals, having a four-hour meeting, there's clearly drivers 
that are uncomfortable racing. You don't have a meeting for that long if if everyone's on board. Apparently, this is only rumours. We don't know. Gasly and Hamilton very vocal um, against racing potentially. This is only rumours. I can't uh, say this is true, but missile attack when rebels, uh, Yemen-backed rebels, taking responsibility. And when this organisation that's just been attacked by missile is posted all over the circuit, it could have been another target easily because it's posted all over the circuit. It's If they have something against that organisation, then it, the, the track could have been a target. And then early in the week, we found out that a missile from Yemen had been intercepted, heading, headed for Jeddah. So crazy scenario in that sense, and also in the sense of the fact that the track is too dangerous. It, it's way too dangerous. I talked about this last year, and I was critical of racing in Saudi Arabia because of human rights and, and all that. They have a lot of issues. But I, I, was, I was slightly looking forward to it because I was like, could be good racing, but the, I think the Schumacher crash pushed me over the edge in terms of how dangerous this track was. I was already pushed over the edge that we shouldn't race here because of the missile attack, and then Schumacher crashed. Two years in a row he's crashed. He hates this circuit. I wouldn't be surprised if he never turned up here again, even if we still race it next year. It's at a point where I'm tense watching it because I'm worried for each driver's life. And that's not healthy. That's not how F1 should be. That is terrible. I think that they should never come back to the circuit. There's too many blind corners. At some point, I do have the worry somebody is going to die because it's so fast. If something goes wrong, one lapse in concentration, you're in the wall. And if it's, I mean, Mick Schumacher found that out and look at how badly his car was smashed up. Luckily, the advances in technology have come so far that he was all right and he walked away from that, which is amazing. But I think we should leave this track and never return. You, we've we've had, I mean, we'll talk about the races in a minute, but we've had drama in these two races. But I think it's chaotic, but not in a good way. I think it's chaotic in a way that is dangerous. I don't think that's the way. We should leave... Saudi Arabia, never come back. That is my opinion. This is a track that I never want to see us race at again. But moving on, because I can't rant all day, um, we've got to get on to the race. And before we get on to the race, let's quickly talk about qualifying. We had um, an eventful qualifying with two red flags, unsurprisingly, when drivers are doing their fastest possible lap at a track with the walls as narrow as they are. But what are some of the stuff that stood out for you from qualifying? I mean, there's a, there's a very big one, which is pretty obvious. Yeah, there's, there's quite a few, um, as you pointed out, the main one being Lewis Hamilton. Um, first time since 2017 in Brazil that he's been knocked out in the first qualifying session. And, yeah, I don't know if, if his head was not in the right place or he was, you know, thinking that he didn't want to go flat out because of how dangerous his track is and all the political stuff. But, um, yeah, it was a real struggle for Hamilton in qualifying. And then the other one, um, main talking point from qualifying was Sergio Perez 
um, you're repping his merch. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, he put in one of his uh, best qualifying performances. And uh, yeah, you could tell how much it meant to him over the radio. Um, let's not forget a few seasons ago, you know, this, this driver was running out of contract. Um, he was basically a free agent and Red Bull wanted to pick him up. And to be fair to him, you know, he's, he's won a race with Red Bull and he's got a pole position with Red Bull. So, uh, yeah, fair play to him. Mm, yeah, I mean, other than Schumacher's crash, those were the two main things. I'm going to talk about Perez later because the race was frustrating. But Saturday, wow, I was in the car on my way home. And I just got a text from Josh, one of the co-hosts, just saying, Checo, just like loads of O's. And I'm like, wait, is he in pole? And wow, I, 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 was, I was dancing when we got to the service station. I was so happy. His first ever pole in F1. And what a lap it was. I saw people say after Leclerc's lap how amazing that lap was and only an, ama- like an incredible lap was going to beat it. And it was superb. Perez said afterward, afterwards, if he did that lap a hundred more times, he doesn't think he could replicate it because it, it was perfect. At the most dangerous track, the fastest track, he fully sent it. It was superb effort from him. Hamilton's 16th was, wow, that was crazy. That car, mm, it's dodgy. And, but... Main thing, Perez and qualifying. I wish I wish you could get a point for qualifying just for that, just for um, just for Saudi Arabia, because he deserved it for that lap. That was unbelievable. Really, really happy for him. First pole, and hopefully more to come. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But for, let's let's now move on to Sunday today when we're recording this. And Let's first of all get your general thoughts on the race. What did you think? Um, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, a lot of things happened in the race. Um, Alonso versus Ocon was uh, very feisty and uh, fair play for Otmar's um, Saf not saying hold position from like the seventh lap and letting them race. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a good battle between the two Alpines. And then, yeah, a lot of stuff happened in the race. Uh, quite a few technical difficulties, um, pit stops, and uh, once again, a very brilliant battle for the race win. Mm, yeah, indeed. I mean, it's frustrating because I kind of, I kind of wish that the race was going to suck and that Perez was just going to ease through to victory. Nothing was going to happen, so that they're not like, oh, the race was good. We should go there next year. But I have to admit, the race, it was a good race. There, there was a lot that happened. As you said, Ocon Alonso battle was fantastic. That was great. The battle for first, also very good. And I, it's something that I've picked, uh, that a lot of people picked up on, especially in this race, because it's pretty, um, pretty evident here, is that with the new cars, because it's so easy to follow, a lot of them, the strategy, it seems, is to, just before the DRS zone, if you're in front, slow slow down, get behind, the, let them overtake, and then use the DRS to go past them. Or if you're behind, just try and stay behind, even when 
Um, so Verstappen and Leclerc were basically into the last corner, just trying to break and see who was behind to cause a massive, massive lockup with Verstappen. And even Leclerc had a massive lockup. What do you think about this new way of overtaking? Because it looks like a theme that's going to go on throughout the year. Yeah, uh, I think it's really good what they've done. Um, it's made the racing a lot closer. Um, there's only one small issue, um, personally, I think, and that's the porpoising. Um, there are some tracks on the calendar that I think it could be an issue trying to get the right balance. Um, I think in a previous podcast, you discussed um, whether porpoising would be an issue they'd fixed um, for the European season. Uh, personally, I think it's track dependent. Um, there's so many tracks that are have elevation changes that have long straights and sharp corners. Um, but no, these, these regulations are really exciting. Uh, they've completely switched up the midfield. You know, the teams that didn't do well last season are now scoring big points. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been brilliant so far. Mm, yeah, it, is certainly, it certainly has been. Now let's look at the incident report and... Not many penalties to talk about, just incidents. So first incident was on lap 16, the first crash. That was Nicholas Latifi who put his car in the wall after getting on the power too early at the final corner. That did bring out a safety car. It was a virtual safety car getting upgraded to a safety car and it just ruined just what it caused hurt me so much, but we'll we'll talk about that a bit later. Then lap 36 and 37, we had a, um, a triple retirement. We had Alonso, then Ricardo, and then Bottas all retiring with what appeared to be power failures. Ricardo lost drive, Alonso lost drive, and Bottas just kind of went into the pits and no one really knew what was happening, but then they retired the car. So we're not really sure what's happened, and they're yet to come out with what's happened. They're investigating it now. So that was quite an interesting stage. And it was, to be honest, terrifying going slow around this track, I imagine it is for the drivers, because your car all of a sudden is going at... I mean, Ricardo's just kind of stopped, but Alonso was going very slowly. And with the amount of blind corners and how quickly these cars are sending them around the corner, it could have really caused an accident. Then you had marshals on the track pushing away cars during the virtual safety car on the main straight, which I also have an issue with from a safety point of view because 40%, so under virtual safety car, you ease off. I think it's 40%. I might be wrong, but I think it's 40%. And so you're easing off almost half, but you're still going around 120 miles an hour. You're still going very quick down the main straight as well. This isn't going around corners, this is down the main straight. So personally, I'm not sure what you, you think about this, Matt, but I would have upgraded it to a safety car because seeing marshals on the track while cars are whizzing past 100 miles, 120, 100 miles an hour, I don't think that's safe. I don't know what you think about that. What do you think? No, um, I, co- I completely agree with what you've said. Um, I was very surprised that the 
second one was a virtual safety car. Um, the main straight in um, Saudi Arabia kind of reminds me of Baku in the way, the way that's a huge long straight and then the pit lane pulls over to the left. Um, I think if that was Baku, that wouldn't have been a virtual safety car. Um, it's just too dangerous. You know, I know it's a virtual safety car and they're kind of on the left-hand side of the track, but it's still extremely dangerous. If someone has a tyre failure and loses control, you know, he's wiping out one of the marshals. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think the stewards need to um, tighten up a bit. Um, I think that even when the first incident happened, it went straight to virtual safety car and then it finally went to safety car. I think they just need to be more clear with their decisions and uh, more precise. And um, yeah, so I, I completely agree with what you've said. Yeah, because it is, it's, it's crazy because you have the stewards who are there to make the decisions to keep the driver safe, but they're very hesitant to make decisions. When Latifi did crash, going back to that, it was quite a, I reckon about 30 seconds passed before they said virtual safety car or 20, that's, and that's a lot of time. I mean, of course you have the yellow flags out, but like yellow flags don't stop incidents, do they? I mean, there was yellow flags when, of course, the late Jules Bianchi crashed and it, incidents happen like that. You, you make a mistake, a lapse of concentration, the hesitancy with flags, the hesitancy with safety cars and VSCs, it's, it's very frustrating because, as you said, for Ricardo or the marshals pushing Ricardo's car, you have Verstappen had a tyre blowout at Baku, admittedly going much faster, but 120, 120 miles an hour, you're still going to have a big impact. If that happens there, then that's going to really damage, if not kill the marshals if they're hit. So frustrating at how safety measures are being implemented at the moment for me. And then the final um, incident was on lap 49, Stroll and Albon colliding at turn one. And Albon has been handed a three-place grid drop for Australia and two penalty points on his licence. Matt, do you think that's fair? Um, to be honest, I've only seen it once, um, but I do think it was um, an overtake that wasn't possible. Um, Stroll came on the team radio saying that Albon just completely dive-bombed him and fully sent it. So, um, yeah, I think that move was uh, a step too far for uh, Albon. Yeah, it did look like a bit of a late lunge with a man seeing that it's the second-to-last lap. <laughs> I might not have another opportunity to overtake here, so I'm just going to dive up the inside. Which I know Stroll's complaining about, but he's done it so many times before. But I, I do think that a three-place grid drop is the fair decision because Albon definitely had to penalise, um, get penalised for it because it definitely was Stroll's corner, in my opinion. And then after the race, we had Magnussen, Sainz, and Perez all called to the stewards, investigated for speeding under double double waved yellows. No further action needed was the final decision, meaning we can get onto our team by team breakdown, starting with Ferrari. Not as good a race as in Bahrain, I think it's fair to say, 
But second and third, some great points there. Leclerc got fastest lap. How would you summarise their race? Um, I'm not really sure. I think it would be, be mixed, um, considering how the, the race um, unfolded until the last few laps. Um, I think they'll be disappointed they didn't get the win. Um, however, you know, they're still racking up a lot of points. And you know, Red Bull did look quick in practice sessions and qualifying. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it, I think, to be honest, I think they'll be happy with the points they've got, but um, frustrated that they didn't quite get the win. Mm, yeah. Charles Leclerc did have a fantastic battle, which matched Verstappen, which I think is going to go on all year long. And I potentially think it could be as good as Verstappen and Hamilton last year. That's how much I rate it. Because I think what's great about it is they respect each other so much as well. It's, it's respectful racing. It's not... It's not dirty from either side. Well, it hasn't, I mean, we're two races in. It, it could potentially get like that. We know what Max Verstappen is like, but it's respectful. Leclerc congratulating Max over Team Radio. They're thumbs-upping. They're having chats after the race. It's great. I mean, we did have that respect last year with uh, Verstappen and Hamilton, but it was much more like fist bump after the race, not really talk to each other. There's a mutual respect. But Verstappen and Leclerc seem to really have a bit more of a relationship. I think that's great. But yeah, Ferrari, 34 points this weekend with the fastest lap. Very good going, only bettered by one. Now let's move on to the team second in the Constructors, hanging on to second in the Constructors, I think it's fair to say, that being Mercedes. First of all, George Russell, starting sixth, finishing fifth for Mercedes, that is a fourth and fifth place finish in his first two races. And then Lewis Hamilton starting 15th after Schumacher, of course, pulling out, um, coming 16th in quali and finishing 10th. Um, from a team point of view, how, how do you think they did? And while there's not really much to talk about with Russell, because he didn't, re nothing really happened. He admitted in his interview afterwards that he just kind of drove around on his own for most of the race. But with Hamilton, how much was he hindered by the pit lane closing? And do you think he could potentially have got more points? Yeah, I, th I think he was massively hindered. Um, I think he probably would have got roughly where Russell finished. Um, you know, Ricardo was. I, I haven't seen Hamilton's on board of how slow Ricardo was going, how um, how much time Hamilton was able to look at Ricardo going slow. Um, but if if I was Bono, I would have been straight on to Hamilton. Um, you know, Ricardo's going very slowly. Um, should we consider a pit stop? Yes or no, kind of thing. And um, yeah, that that split decision cost Hamilton a lot of points um, this season, uh, sorry, this race. And um, over the season, it could be even more costly. You just never know. Um, on to Russell. Um, I think he's proven why, um, after his times at Williams, why he deserves that Mercedes seat. Um, you know, this is his first two races in the Mercedes. 
um, fourth and fifth in a car that, let's be honest, isn't as competitive as the two teams. And um, yeah, even to, you know, two races in and you've out-qualified and outscored, you know, a seven-time world champion, Lewis Hamilton, nobody would have predicted that. Um, yeah, so I think overall, I think Mercedes will be disappointed. Um, but yeah, they're, they're lucky they're still uh, second in the constructors. Yeah, certainly are lucky. It was, it was very unlucky for Hamilton because I think Bono did tell him if we can pit, let's pit. But I think it was about 100 metres just uh, away from getting in before it closed. And frustrating for Hamilton, but a point, I guess, is damage limitation. And um, as you said, solid, solid from Russell, who's looking a good pickup for the team that are just very frustrating. Bear in mind that all the hype before the season was Mercedes are going to be dominant again. Mercedes back on top and they're battling Haas. I mean, Hamilton said after the race that he couldn't believe how quick the Haas was. And when you compete with the Haas, admittedly last season, it would have been more embarrassing and they're a much better team now, but it's just crazy for them um, to be competing with them. But moving on to the team that got the most constructors points this weekend, and that is Red Bull. After a nightmare last week, I think it's fair to say, they got 37 points combined. Max Verstappen from fourth to first and Sergio Perez from first to fourth. They just kind of swapped around. Um, Perez... Oh my goodness me! I'm I'm still so frustrated because he I think he was going to win that race if he hadn't got very unlucky with the safety car pitting just before it. Ferrari bluffed that they were going to pit and then stayed out, and it sent Perez in after his engineer called him in and. Ruined his race, but how would you assess Red Bull and Verstappen and Perez? Um, I think they will be disappointed they didn't get two Red Bulls um, on the podium. Uh, if you look at the qualifying results and the race results, they've literally just swapped Perez and Verstappen round. Um, yeah, as you said, uh, I felt Perez was very unlucky that race, and Perez is always good with his tyres, so you know, who knows what he would have been able to do. Um, yeah, Red, Red Bull desperately needed uh, these points after the last race. And um, yeah, I, I feel sorry. I do feel sorry for Perez because, uh, you know, his qualifying performance was brilliant and he did everything he could in the race, um, but the safety car uh, decided otherwise. Yeah, he, he didn't do anything wrong. He had his thing with signs about who got to the um, safety car line first and Perez ended up giving the position back after the safety car went in to avoid a penalty and oh just so frustrating I was so happy yesterday and that quickly turned to turned to misery for me but fourth place is still a good result and to be honest from early signs this season if he could find some luck, I genuinely think he could potentially mount a title fight. It's it's ambitious, and I might be biased, but his 
pace has been fantastic. He's been, he was going to get a podium in Bahrain, but his car failed on the last lap. And he was, in my opinion, going to win the race today, but he got unlucky with a call made by the team that wasn't his fault. If he could find some luck, I think he could be fighting up there, but we'll have to wait and see. That might just be me being biased, but who, who knows? Next on to Alpine. And it was a tale of woe at one side of the garage, but a good result of the other, to be quite honest. Esteban Ocon finishing sixth after qualifying fifth, and then Fernando Alonso, the other driver, qualifying seventh, and then DNFing. So mixed fortunes for Alpine. But how would you assess their drivers and um, Alpine's race? I mean, fantastic battle. Yeah, uh, it was a fantastic battle. Um, I think Alpine's car is 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 competitive in the midfield, but um, there's there's a few teams behind them that they're probably thanking they're not doing as well. Um, yeah, I think it was looking on course for Alonso and Ocon to get sixth and seventh. Um, I, I think Alpine have, have actually got quite a solid car. Um, you know, everyone's talking about the power of the Ferrari power units and um, Alpine have, of course, got a Renault power unit car. Um, yeah, so I, I think Ocon, Ocon must uh, like this track because uh, he, he has done very well, um, to be fair. He was denied on the line of a podium and, you know, P6 in that Alpine is... Uh, is a very good result, um, but I, I do think Alpine will be disappointed that they didn't get more points uh, from this race. Mm, yeah, you mentioned last year and him getting denied on the line. He almost got denied again as Lando Norris came up behind him, but he did hold on to that sixth place. And I'm not sure about you. This is uh, something I've noticed this season. I mean, it's early days. It's been two races, but Esteban Ocon, looks, in my opinion, like he's outperforming Alonso. And we're talking about a world champion here in Alonso and a fantastic driver. But for me, it looks like Ocon is getting the best, uh, is getting more out of the car. I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah, yeah um, it's quite interesting. I think the battle that I had um, shows that there's a bit of toxic um, stuff going on between them. Um, maybe Ocon's trying to prove that, you know, he should be the main focus of this team and that maybe Alonso's thinking that, you know, I'm Fernando Alonso, I'm a world champion, I should be number one driver. Um, but yeah, Ocon's definitely massively improving. And um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see who gets the more points um, as the season ends between Ocon and Alonso. Um, yeah, Ocon's doing a solid job so far this season. Mm, yeah, a bit, saying it's toxic is interesting because Alonso did say after the race that they are respectful. But yeah, there's definitely something on track which which gives it a bit of an edge. Their battle today was, was very good, especially for the viewers. Now on to Haas. They're still in the top half of the constructors. What a team... And what a driver, Kevin Magnussen, starting 10th and finishing 9th. He is back. What 
a fantastic drive for the second week in a row. The fact that he was giving Hamilton troubles and was battling with Hamilton just shows how good he's been. And then on the other side, the, the garage, we had Schumacher, of course, who yesterday had an awful crash. We're just happy as a right, to be honest. Didn't start today. Definitely the right decision. I don't think they could have got a car that could have competed today after how mashed up it was yesterday. But Kevin Magnussen, ninth place in the Haas. How would you sum up his race? Um, I'm, I'm not really sure, to be honest, because um, considering um, how well he did in Bahrain, um, I mean, to be fair to him, he started P10 and finished P9. So on the face of it, it looked like he, he did well. Um, then when you look at other drivers ahead of them that for me are in slower cars, um, for example, Gasly, P8, Norris, P7. Um, but yeah, it just, it just shows um, why Gunter Steiner brought Kevin Manson back into the sport. Um, I think he's, you know, he wasn't in F1 last season. It looks like he's been F1 last season and, you know, many more seasons. Um, I, I do feel sorry for Mick Schumacher. Um, I felt like this could have been one of those races where he got his first points um, if things went his way with strategy and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but I'm sure Mick will uh, get his opportunity. And um, yeah, Hassa definitely punching above their weight from last season. And uh, yeah, Magnussen's proving everyone um, why well, should still, um, well, still be a, considered as a great driver, in my opinion. Mm, and should be considered for your fancy team, as, as me and that know. Um, but yeah, as you said, I've just remembered that in my pre-race predictions that I thought that Schumacher would get the most overtakes. And for some reason, I don't think he quite managed it. But we, we go again next week. Now let's look at... Alfa Romeo, who, after doing very well last week, got zero points, had Bottas starting eighth and then DNFing, and then Zhou Guan Yu starting 12th and finishing 11th. Of course, it looked like Bottas was very unlucky because he looked set to get some good points. I think he was, he was battling well. He was sneaky up on Ocon and Alonso as they were battling. So it looked like he was having a good race and set for some good points, just unlucky with a car failure. But with <laughs> Joe, he just seemed to have a bit of a bizarre race. I'm not really sure what happened because he had the, he got a five second penalty and it on Sky, it flashed up again that he had a five second penalty. I'm not sure if that was just reinforcing the fact that he had won or he got a second. I'm not really sure, but then he got another penalty, a drive-through penalty, for not serving his penalty. I'm not really sure what happened there. How, I mean, Matt, try and sum up Alfa Romeo today, because a bit of a, bit of a weird one. Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a mess, really, wasn't it? Um, even at the race start, one um, Joe's, um, sorry, Joe Wanyu's on board. Um, Every time he up shifted from the start, it almost looked like it was stuttering. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. 
Um, even Bottas in the last race, you know, he dropped, I think, all the way down to P14, I think. And um, yeah, that their car's got potential. Um, but these are the kind of races where you need to pick up the points um, if so many people are DNFing. And yeah, I'm not sure what happened to Bottas. Um, I was kind of a bit surprised when he just <laughs> pulled up in the pits. I was like, oh, he just pitted that before. And um, yeah, I, I still think uh, Bottas will get a lot of points this season. Um, to be fair, you know, let's not forget um, Joe Wanyu is new to this sport and, you know, it will take time, especially with these new regulations. Um, but yeah, all in all, I think it was a bit of a mess for uh, Alfa Romeo. Yeah, it certainly sounded like a mess. From what I've heard, I'm not sure if this is confirmed or not, the reason that he got a drive-through for not serving the penalty was that he came in to serve his five-second penalty and the, the pit stop crew didn't touch his car apart from the guy who jacks the car up. And he, he, he jacks it up, even though no one else touched it, because he jacked the car up, that is apparently impeding that rule. And so they're technically working on the car before the five seconds is over. And if that's the case, then Joe has just been really unlucky because that's just one of the pit crew members as an accidental human error. Bit of a bit of a shame for him, as he could have potentially got points, but yeah, a bit of a bit of a weird weekend for Alfa Romeo. Talk about Alfa Romeo. Let's move on to Alfa Tauri. Pierre Gasly, first driver, getting the points, carrying the flag for Alfa Tauri on his own, as Yuki Tsunoda couldn't even complete the lap to the track before his car breaking down. Yesterday, he didn't he couldn't get out for qualifying because of his car wasn't working, and today. Obviously, they couldn't fix it. I mean, they fixed it enough to get half the way around the lap. So I think applaud the mechanics for fixing it somewhat. But yeah, Gasly carrying the flag from ninth to eighth, bringing four points for Alpha Tauri. Is that the best they could have hoped for? Um, yeah, I think that's probably the best they could have got. Maybe Yuki Tsunoda could have maybe got one point, but... Um... Yeah, the, the bigger picture is that their reliability um, is is shocking. Um, yeah, I don't really know what else to say. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda, it's, it's not his fault that the car just keeps cutting out, no power, you know, can't even start the, 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 five, the five lights. And, um, yeah, it's, I, I, I think... Um, Throughout the season, they're definitely have to tighten up on their reliability. Um, but yeah, Gasly getting four points is probably the best best they could have got, to be honest. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Not meaning to go on about fantasy a lot as we do do a fantasy show. It is in the um, on YouTube, so find it and watch it and like and subscribe. Cheeky plug in there, but. I was when when I saw he pulled up, I was gutted, but then I was like, I've I've transferred him out of my fantasy team this week. 
get in. Who did I chance for in instead? Valdry Bottas. <laughs> Great. He didn't finish. Who else did I have in my team? Alonso didn't finish. So that was a bit of a nightmare because at one point I was running so well. I was doing well. Hamilton was going to get a great finish and then he got ruined by a, a, a pit closing. Yeah, we, we won't talk too much about the fantasy team. We'll, we'll go into that in a, a fantasy episode. Let's move on to McLaren. You're repping their merch today, Lando merch. And he did very well today. He has elevated them from ninth to, to eighth so wow the improvement in that car is just unbelievable really from from the <laughs> from Bahrain to Saudi Arabia to go up a whole one position they're now above the quality cars of Aston Martin and Williams so the the progress is <laughs> they're soaring but um, right <laughs> seriously now Lando Norris fantastic drive started 11th, finishing 7th. I don't know how he finished 7th, to be honest, how that McLaren car went from being rubbish for quite a lot of this race, never mind Bahrain, to end up finishing ahead of Gasly, Hamilton and Magnussen and ninth. Fair play to Lando and almost getting 6th on the last lap, to be fair to him. And then you had Ricardo starting 14th after getting a three-place grid drop for impeding Ocon, which was the most blatant quali penalty I've ever seen, and then DNFing. How do you sum up McLaren? It seems like a lot of the teams have one driver who <laughs> who finished and the other driver just DNF. That seems to be a bit of a trend this week. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a trend, but one driver has like massively outperformed their teammate. Um, but Lando Norris, um, it kind of reminds me of... George Russell in the Williams last year, that top quality drivers can outperform a rubbish car. And for me, that's what Norris did this weekend. Um, I think McLaren will be really happy with the points that Lando got, um, considering how terrible their car looked in the first race. Um, the less said about Ricardo, uh, the better for me. Um, but yeah, uh, Norris out driving that car, outperforming that car, and the fact that he nearly got Ocon on the line, and um, everyone knows how slow Mercedes powers are. You know, it just shows how how brilliant um, Lando Norris drove uh, this weekend. Yeah, he did very well to somehow get the car home in seventh, getting six points from McLaren, which is more than counting now five teams. So fair, fair play to him carrying the team on his back like he did last for a lot of last season. Let's move on to the two teams that are still on zero points of the constructors, and that being Aston Martin and Williams. Let's start off with Aston Martin. Stroll, 13th to 13th, and Hulkenberg, 17th to 12th. What a what a drive! The seventeenth, well, what what a drive! Did end up coming second to last out of the cars that finished, but we don't need to we don't need to talk about that. So, what what can you really say about Aston Martin apart from the fact that they're rubbish? Stroll, I guess, was unlucky with the fact that Albon ploughed into him, but Hulkenberg probably his last race in F one. I'm sad to say it. He's, he's my second favorite driver after Perez. 
but I think it's the second, I think it's his last race in F1. Finishing 12th, first of all, what do you think of Aston Martin? And second of all, how well has Hulkenberg stepped into a team which who, who have a rubbish car who isn't fit enough to really drive and then to come in so last minute? Yeah, um, you know, when we talked about these regulations and the amount of money, um, Mr. Mr. Money Man Stroll was um, putting into this um, company and yeah, to see them where they are is, is disappointing. You know, they are a British brand and, you know, I want all the British drivers and British brands to do well, but um, yeah, it's, it's just so disappointing. Um, you know, there was so much hype when Aston Martin came into the sport, um, you know, their trajectory was, you know, going to be really good. And yeah, it's, it's just disappointing to see how they've done. Um, the fact that they're just fighting Williams cars um, is, isn't, you know, it's not very good. Um, On to Holkenberg. Um, you know, the fact that he's beaten Stroll kind of just <laughs> says it all. Um, you know, Mr. Mr. Need backup or Mr. Um, quick. I, I need need uh, Nico Hulkenberg. Um, just just shows how how good he was as a driver. Um, yeah, as you said, I feel like this will be his last race in F1. Um, but you know, he's he's had so much um, success in his F1 career. Um, he, you know, everyone talks about him not getting a podium. Um, which, which I, I understand. Um, but then he's, he's never been really in a top two car. Um, you know, he was in the racing point um, a few years ago, qualified P3 at Silverstone. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget his, his poll uh, for Williams in, uh, I think it's 2010, I do believe, um, in Brazil, um, in, in wet conditions. Um, yeah, it's it's sad to see um, such a talented driver um, probably race his last uh, race in F1. Mm, yeah, it is a shame. Nico, you, you have my respect. He was actually after the safety car pretty high up because he didn't pit and a lot of drivers did. And then it was just seeing him drop down the order very slowly. It was just like every car overtaking like a, a pickup truck like he, he had no pace in that car but over Bahrain and Saudi Arabia he's done his team proud he's done Aston Martin proud whenever he's ne- he's been needed to step in he's done really well he has such raw talent I'd love to see him get a seat next year I said that last year it's not going to happen. I've unfortunately come to that conclusion. And I think it's pretty clear to see that more teams are going to look towards the younger generation than look back at Hulkenberg, apart from Haas, who bought that Kevin Magnussen. But I don't think he's going to race again. Fair play to you, Nico. Love you. Please just, I don't know. I don't really know what I'm saying. I'm waffling at this point because... I love Nico Hulkenberg so much, but he, he definitely did the best he could and beating Stroll is, is, is funny. <laughs> but um, moving, moving on to Williams' last team we're going to talk about. 
Alex Albon and Latifi. Albon starting 16th and DNFing and then getting a three-place grid drop for Australia because he dive from Stroll. And then Latifi drove into a wall. wall on that. (laughs) Right, okay. I I want to talk about Williams first because (laughs) they've had such a nightmare and their team are looking... A bit rubbish. Um, Albon, first of all, blatant penalty. Should a three-place grid drop, fair enough. But Latifi, I, it's, I've, I've, I've defended him. after He got some good results last year. We have to remember that. He got some great results in a rubbish Williams. But he then, on the last race of the season, did cost Hamilton the title. And... Um, Today, he cost Perez potentially a race win after such a rookie error of just getting on the power too early on the final corner. I know Verstappen crashed final corner last year, so, you know, the best can do it, but that was a quality lap, a lot different to lap 16 when there's no one really about. And, oh, I I shouldn't laugh, but... I've defended him so much, but he really doesn't deserve that seat in F1. I've memed him. I've called him King Latifi. Don't attack King Latifi. But really selfishly, now he's cost Perez something. I'm now, I'm now going to be honest about him and just say he doesn't deserve the seat. He's, in, he's a paid driver. He's in there for money. I really want him to do well because I think he's a lovely guy. He loves his Nutella. Top lad. But he's just not very good. He he might be this year's Mazepin. I don't want to I don't want to insult him that much. He's definitely better. But what's this? His third year in F one now. Is it his third? Uh, yeah, third. I think so. Third year in F one, and he's pulling out rookie errors like that. Yeah, third. Yeah. He should really have improved. And I thought I saw signs of improvement last year. And early on this season, I think the improvements have potentially gone away. Latifi, I like you. You don't deserve to be in the sport. Not that he's actually watching this, but he does make me laugh. Not today where he didn't almost make me cry, but what a mess. Williams, Matt, final team, Albon Latifi, talk to me about them. Yeah, it's just... uh... I don't really know what to say. Um, I think Latifi might just have to go to the supermarket and just buy loads of Nutella and give them all to the mechanics <laughs> to say sorry. Um, yeah, I, I said uh, in, in the uh, predictions, uh, this driver line that just doesn't wow me. Um, I, I, do, I do think Al- Albon has, has got uh, more talent than Latifi. Um, yeah, but Latifi, you know, he had his incident in qualifying, incident in the race. Um, yeah. I, I thought Williams were going to improve from last season. Um, yeah, but it just doesn't look like they're going to be able to get any points over the season. But, you know, we'll have to have to wait and see. Yeah, of course, only race two. But um, yeah, this driver lineup, it's getting to a point where 
Albon is going to finish like a few places ahead of Latifi every race if if Latifi doesn't crash into a wall, and it, it'll be like, is Albon really good, or is it just that he's driving with Nicholas Latifi, who's really bad? Admittedly, that their car's not very good. That's clear to see. I mean, Hamilton can get points in that car in Bahrain or Saudi Arabia, but yeah. Williams is a mess. It's genuinely laughable. We're two races in. It's probably really harsh, to be honest. But we'll have to wait and see. They have to do so much development of that car because oh, driver lineups weak, car looking weak as well. Now, let's let's lift the mood back up a bit for our final feature of the review, and that's driver of the day, highlighting the best driver. So that's that's full of positivity. Matt, I'll throw it to you first. Who is your driver of the day? Um, my driver of the day is the, the merch that I'm repping, um, Mr. McLaren, Mr. Lando Norris. Um, yeah, as I explained earlier, um, top drivers can perform, uh, outperform rubbish cars, and uh, that's what Norris did today. Um, P7 of Lando Norris, um, McLaren must be... Delighted with the points that he's got, considering how awful they looked um, first race of the season. And yeah, just to reiterate what I've already said, you know, almost getting Ocon on, on the line. Um, everyone knows how not very good the Mercedes power units are. And, you know, you wouldn't think that Matt McLaren today had a Mercedes in the back of it, considering, you know, where the likes of Magnussen finished and Gasly. And, um, yeah, Norris fully deserved uh, for me as drive of the day. Mm, yeah, definitely a fantastic drive. First of all, I want to shout out a honourable mention at Esteban Ocon. Fantastic race, finishing sixth. His battle with Alonso made uh, a lot of the races very fun, very exciting. A driver that I do want to see after Hamilton leaves give it a shot in the Mercedes. I've said it a lot, and I still I still back it. I want Ocon and Russell in the Mercedes, potentially, because, of course, Toto Wolff manages Ocon. And this season, we're two races in. It's too early to judge, but I am going to judge anyway. He's showing very... He, he's looking very strong. I know he won last year, but... For me, he's showing some great signs early on that he's got real pace in the Alpine and extracting the most from it. But not that was my honourable mention. My driver of the day is the winner, Max Verstappen. I just couldn't look past him, to be honest. Fourth place in qualifying, not looking at his best. I think his first lap, he was further down the order, didn't put in a fantastic first lap in quality. But fourth place in quali, winning the race. He's gained the positions, fantastic battle with Leclerc. In the end, the Red Bull pace the, um, just just beat the Ferraris, of course. It was an interesting battle between the teams. You had the Ferrari, who had a setup which was great in the corners, really fast in the corners. And then you had the Red Bull, who are fantastic on the straights. I think they said 10 miles an hour faster on the straights, which is just insane. But... He didn't put a foot wrong for me. He moaned a lot on the radio, which a lot of people get on his back for. But at the end of the day, the adrenaline you're going through during a race, 
you're gonna to be frustrated if things don't go your way and you're gonna it's like in football you're gonna claim for everything you might as well give it a shout but fantastic drive couldn't have done any more really and yeah really really pleased that we have a fantastic title fight again this year I mean it looks like we're two races in but looks like Verstappen's going to put up some a good defence against Leclerc. Potentially, signs could come into that. Potentially, Perez. Potentially, Mercedes. Ed Goddard's got interviewed after the race and said, "Don't count Hamilton out." It's two races in. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to count Hamilton out. <laughs> I don't think Hamilton's going to compete. But it looks like Ferrari and Red Bull are going to have a good ta- uh, good tussle. And Verstappen was fantastic today, and he is my driver of the day. Next, the next race is the Australian Grand Prix in two weeks' time. No race next week. We've got a one-week break where in England it starts at 6 a.m. in the morning. So you've got to start making your decisions now. Start looking at your plans. Are you going to stay up overnight or are you going to go to sleep early and wake up for it? It's up to you. Start start making your plans for that. But yeah, we will bring you a preview uh, for that race and of course a review and we'll bring you back the fantasy show for that as well. Talk about our picks, how we did this week. I've talked a bit about how I did this week. Not, not incredibly, but we'll have to see how everyone else did. But that wraps up our podcast. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Shout out to you, Matt, again joining us from Portugal, using up all your mobile data. Thank you. Thank you, mate, for joining us. No, no worries. Um, yeah, pleasure as always. You're, you are the Nico Hulkenberg of the podcast. When, when we're looking low on numbers, you, you always come in, even on your holidays. So thank you very much for that. But, yeah, remember to like, subscribe, download, whatever you need to do to interact with it. We hope you enjoyed this. Our socials are linked down below in the description. If you want to keep on top of tables, when stuff is coming out, and just be informed about when we're producing content. But as I said before, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Hopefully we never come back to this track again, and we'll see you in the next one. Cheers. <laughs>